0: So it's really important to practice forgiveness, not just, of course, for yourself, but for these other people who are giving you terrible advice. Like I would have people say to me, I can't tell you how many times people said to me, oh, it could be worse. And that was the worst thing people could say to me.
1: Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Zach Rutledge is an ACE certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. He's also a certified brain health trainer through the Functional Aging Institute. He has a black belt in karate and has practiced yoga for almost a decade. He is also the author of the official depression relief playbook, sorry, official depression relief playbook Real Life Strategies from a Guy Who Has Lived It. Zach, welcome to Self Talk.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
1: Yeah, all right. So let's jump in. And uh, how did you get started doing all these wonderful, amazing things?
0: Oh, geez. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, um,
1: they're wonderful and amazing to me, I mean.
0: <laughs> um, well, really, well, the karate I got into just as a team, and I was really lucky to fall into a really um, well-rounded martial art. Mm-hmm. It, it's called Way of the Sphere. Oh, well, well-rounded. Sorry, that was an unintended pun. Anyway. Uh, it works. So, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't just the working out. It was the working in, we called it as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was um, exposed to meditation at you know 14 years old. So that was really valuable. Um, and that was just by luck. It was the closest karate school to my house. And I wanted to be like a ninja turtle. So that was, that was what did it. Yeah. Um, And it served me really well after the first, um, I'll call it that the major depression crash. And then everything that's come since then has been uh, brick by brick. Uh, Some of these things came because I thought they would be the answer, right? Mm. Uh, Some of them came just because I was fascinated. Um, And they just slowly stacked up and here I am today. Yeah.
1: That's that's amazing. So and that is often how it works, isn't it? You're not sure why you're being called to do something or study something, but then circumstances just kind of nudge you in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what inspired you to write? I mean, there's an obvious answer, but the official depression relief playbook. Um, Obviously, it was working through your depression, Mm -hmm. but why write a book about it?
0: Okay. So this is not an obvious answer. It's a little, a little, it's an interesting story, a little odd. So I went to grad school. Uh, I've been to grad school once before for film. I'm actually, I, I worked in TV for a long time okay. and my first time in grad school, uh, I made new friends and there were people who were struggling there mm-hmm. and they knew my past and they knew that I was doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So people who were struggling, maybe it was the first time away from home or whatever, not you the pressure of it. Uh, they were contacting me for advice. And invariably, I, we would talk about it. They would forget most of the things we talked about. And then I would have to write these things down and email it to them. Mm. So I had this collection of letters. Cut to COVID. Mm. Similar things happened where my friends in my area, same thing, where they were like, hey, I'm having a tough time coping with, you know, my aunt is sick or what What have you. Just the, the okay. isolation and what I was doing was I was going combing through all these old emails, thinking, "What can I pick out of here to include in my like, you know, advice packet?"
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: joked, I made a joke, and I said, "I should just write a book and start sending that to people." Okay. And uh, I, I had lost my job in TV because of COVID. We shut down and couldn't shoot. Right. And I said, "You know what? That actually isn't a terrible idea." So I put this together. It was a really organic thing. It wasn't that, it wasn't like something I had always wanted to do. To be honest, it was just something I put together. Yeah
1: yeah again,
0: necessity right yeah, yeah. <laughs> this
1: is what you got handed yeah. great um, in the book you um you take sort of what seems to me almost like the personal training approach. It's almost like you're having a, a personal training um, client. And you're walking them through. You know, you have a a lot of. uh, There's a chapter in there about you know staying fit and exercise supplements and and this kinds of thing. This kind of thing. Um, So, did it just come naturally for you to take that kind of angle?
0: Yes. Uh, The the last piece of that puzzle for writing this book. I should actually jump back a little bit. It was. You know, you you mentioned I'm a a certified fitness nutrition specialist. They Mm -hmm. call it right. So slightly different from a nutritionist. Um, but you know. Yeah. So anyway.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um I I was having clients who would meet with me who were also uh clients who I had had, I was training them. And mm-hmm. they would meet through me through Zoom for nutrition advice. Mm-hmm. And we weren't talking about nutrition. <laughs> right. Okay. So one thing would lead to another. They knew what they were supposed to be eating, and there were reasons why. Uh They weren't eating, you know, the right things or the right amounts or what have you. And it really wasn't the things that came up on their minds, right? So I had already had that training relationship with them. So I was like, hey, you know, you kind of, you seem to be feeling the same way I did during these points. Because my depression actually lasted for uh, over a decade. Wow. And it went through, and what I say in the book is, it goes through different flavors. Mm. So it was, it was that deep black depression at first, and it, it shows up as um colors for me. So then okay. the, the next six months, the next six months was like a white, or like the next four months, I guess, after the first six was like a white depression. And I remember at some point, about six years later, it was like an orange depression. I know mm. that sounds crazy, right? No, <laughs> um, but if you've been through it, and it's so hard, it's almost like a song, right? You have a tough time uh, expressing the inexpressible right right, right. <laughs> so that was how it felt so anyway it, it, through these certain periods of my depression which I labeled as colors in my own mind anyway I would say hey these things really helped me and I brought them through that training approach where you know we can't pick up 200 pounds at first right it's right. that slow and low we've got to start mm-hmm. hey let's just go for a walk and then that that brick by brick just like I built myself back up so mm-hmm. yeah that came pretty naturally as well it's it just what I had been doing mm-hmm
1: Beautiful. Um, I I know that you just said it's it's this ineffable thing that's difficult to describe, but could you try to describe what it, the difference might be between a Black depression and an orange depression or white? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Black depression, we'll call it, was... So I, I should explain a little bit of my story. So that came the summer after high school and my best friend was killed. Mm. So... I call it the perfect storm, right? So that happened. All of my friends had left, and they were going to college mm-hmm. um, at the same time. My karate school closed. Wow! Uh, this is pre-social media, and so you know all these all these ties were pretty much severed. It felt like, and then, and I won't say always, but it tends to be the case where um, late teens, early twenties, these quirks, let's say tend to manifest or bubble up or become more noticeable. It did at least for me and in in my circle. Mm -hmm. So all of this happened at once, right? So that was the beginning of the spiral. Okay. Uh, And, and, you know, I was in the deepest point of that spiral just a few months after he had passed away. Um, The way I can describe it is, and this again may not make sense to people, uh, but I'll do my best it wasn't grief. Okay. Because grief, it almost felt like a switch that I would visit once in a while and it felt much cleaner. And that's the part people don't understand. I remember being at work and just sobbing at the loss of my friend. It felt cleaner and I knew it was something I had to go through. I couldn't, I had to go through the grief, right? Absolutely. You know, and I, I did my best to avoid it. Um, but it's not something you can avoid. I, it was yeah. something, for me anyway, I had to get over that, right? It was something Absolutely. I had to get through. Uh The depression wasn't that. The depression was, it was a, man, it, it was almost like a, a, a physical, mental, spiritual, intuitional, emotional thing all at once mm. that just submerged you that felt like there wasn't a bottom. And I remember... Mm trying to hit bottom and trying to hit these points where, okay, now I can build myself back up. It's like, so like I dyed my hair black and like that didn't do it. And I shaved my head. I was like, okay, this is the new start. That didn't do it. Right. Um, so, uh, white was, this is the next phase. I remember, um, I, I was recording with my band. I, I played in bands. I still play in bands. And, it was like this false hope, right? It was almost like this surface level of like, everything's great. Everything's great, but everything underneath was getting sucked under. So mm-hmm. it was like very much like, you know, the fake it till you make it. Yeah. I don't know how much truth there is in that. Right. When it comes to depression, you can fake it as much as you want. And, um, maybe there's, there's some, uh, something to that. But for me, there certainly wasn't, mm-hmm. um, the orange fully functioning. I was going through my thing. I was executing, uh, all of my tasks pretty well but there was just this feeling and again hard to explain this feeling in my solar plexus mm-hmm. that things were just off mm-hmm. um you know and and I, I i talk about this briefly in the book because i talk about these feelings and and i and i apologize for people who can't understand right and i actually have advice for some people to who to on how to deal with that in both both directions mm-hmm. okay so uh I, I had read something about um, salt pimento. Mm-hmm. So I took salt pimento, and I remember being at a traffic light, and it felt like burning plastic. The way burning plastic smells, mm-hmm. that's the way it felt. Okay. Again, yeah. hard to explain. Yep. And I said, okay, that's not that's not going to work. And it, it, it felt it, it was a direct result. I, I, okay. I'm certain of it. It wasn't until years later that I read that salt pimento is not really great for a lot of people in a deeper depression. So, okay, hard lesson learned. And I'm sorry I, I go on and on. I'm a talker. Uh, but I will as far as the um, um, communication thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I try to make this a point every time. I try to make this point every time I do an interview for the people who – don't have depression, who loves someone who does, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Okay. So when I had my depression in my deepest, darkest, or even, you know, mid level, let's say, uh, points, people would give terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And the thing is, they don't understand because they can't. Right. So I've been saying this whole time, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Right. It's hard to explain. Yeah. So it's really important to practice forgiveness, mm-hmm. not just of course for yourself, but for these other people who are giving you terrible advice. Like I would have people say to me, I can't tell you how many times people said to me, Oh, it could be worse. It oh, could be worse. And that was the worst thing people could say to me because I said, I felt like I was at the bottom and I was like, you're saying it could be worse. That's awful. You, like this is as good as it can get. And I understand what their point was you know, maybe practice gratitude. That's what they were trying to get at. Yeah. Um, but they're saying, you know, it could be worse. You know, but what I wish they had said was, it can be better. You mm. know, it doesn't have to be this low. It can be better, right? So if you're in that deep depression, um, you know, be practice that forgiveness with other people. They they're they're not going to know how to deal with this because they don't know what you're going through. If you're on the flip side of it, maybe what you say. Um, Forgive yourself if what you say isn't going to pull anyone out of it because it's hard to just do it with yeah. words. Yeah. Uh, one great piece – well, one piece of advice that I give, I think is great, but, yeah. <laughs> is um, say, hey, can you come with me to this yoga class? Mm-hmm. That's like – that's the best advice I can, I can give right now for somebody in deep depression to say to somebody, hey, can, would you mind coming with me to this yoga class? because right. <laughs> yoga has you know the social aspect the physical right. aspect you have the you have your um you know you have the friendly people the the mental the emotion the mm-hmm. um meditation you have all of it and it might break a little bit of that crack or a little bit of that surface create a yeah. little bit of a crack to yeah. explore something new so okay. you know something to think about there sorry i go on and on <laughs> no this
1: this is, this is what this is about <laughs> 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 is is hearing what you have to say and yeah, I mean I was very struck by what you said in terms of, you know, it it could get better or you know, or it can get better is interesting. And um because I wonder, and I guess this wasn't the case for you, but just therapeutically I'm thinking, would that could that make a a, a person who's depressed feel as though they're failing somehow? Like if it could be better, well, I don't see that. You know, I don't see that happening. I don't, if it could be better, I know that, but I'm not there and I don't know what to do. Like, what advice might you give to someone who might hear something like, you know, it it could, it could be, it can be
0: better. So I'm a, for anyone who knows the Myers-Briggs. Yes. Yeah. What are you? What are you? Okay. So I'm an ENFP. Okay. So I see the potential in things. I see. So, if somebody said it could be better, it can be better, that would be that would land well with me because, okay. um, I, I tend to accept that, uh, I, I know nothing mm-hmm. and that there are plenty of things off of my radar, mm-hmm. and I get excited about learning and I get excited about potentials,
1: even so when that, you're depressed.
0: I always liked learning.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Yeah. So, so, and everyone's
1: different, by the way, that's why I'm asking, you're not speaking for all depressed people. I get that. We're, we're speaking, you know, like what is your, your subjective experience? So you're saying, yes, that, that actually would open me up.
0: That would open me up. But that's a, that's Uh a, I'm glad that you said that because that's why in this book that I wrote, it's very short. I, I come at it. I call it the D-Day approach, which is a little, you know, orbit I guess but that's what, <laughs> what it is right we're coming at it with everything so it's kind of like that one plus one equals four mentality of like if we combine all of these things and this thing raises your your mood by four points this thing raises your mood by eight points and you know we combine all these things then we can really get somewhere
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah beautiful
1: and and on the flip side if well like I'm I'm an INFJ oh yeah Yeah. So nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's what that's probably what prompted me to ask that question, because if I heard, you know, it can get better, I'd be like, well, I'm not there, you know. (laughs) And and so but um, I think that's a really good segue into um, the individual experience of depression Mm -hmm. because I I have gone through periods of the same. um, I mean, it's genetic and, you know, hereditary in my family, low grade depression, Mm -hmm. um, and also really awful depression at certain periods. And as you said, interestingly for me, it was the height of it was probably the end of my twenties. And, um, and so I'm always fascinated by how people help themselves out of that pit. And you know, I read something really beautiful from a. I don't know if you know this book called The Zen Path Through Depression. No, by, I'm going
0: to write this down.
1: Yeah, and have it right here somewhere. Um, I usually have it. Yes, here it is. I'm going to hold it up because Great. for the video, The Zen Path Through Depression, uh, Philip Martin. This is what pulled me out of my depression in my twenties. And one of the one of the key takeaways that I got from this book was. And and you spoke to this um, earlier when you said you kept looking for the bottom, the you know the 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 darkness like then I can start over, and what I did was I in the book it says there's something really beautiful about hitting rock bottom in depression because you know that the next step you take will only be better only higher, and so I started to translate that into even when I feel so shitty. I can just decide that the next thing I do will be much better than this, whatever this is. If I'm lying on the couch and I can't take my head off the pillow, what if I just take my head off the pillow? That's better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, if I could take my, if, what if I sit up in bed? Oh, all right. You know? Um, so, and, and, and you spoke to this beautifully earlier too. Oh, you don't start by lifting 200 pounds, right? Low and slow. So you, whatever little thing you can do and will be helpful. So that leads me to my question in, in your book, you talk about, you have a whole chapter on mindset. So can you talk a little bit about how important mindset is and and what that means to you?
0: Incredibly important. Um, In fact, before I forget, if any of your listeners just want that chapter, I, I believe in that chapter so much, have them email me and I'll send them that chapter on me just so they can check it out. We're going to
1: sh- we're gonna share your information at the end and it'll be in the show notes. So cool, cool, um, cool. excellent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So, so mindset is really important and I could go on about that for the rest of the show and, and I'll, I'll try not to. Um, <laughs> but have you heard that story of the two wolves? Oh yes. Ch- yeah. I it all the
1: time in therapy, but oh, do tell for those who haven't heard it.
0: Oh man. Okay. So I'm going to get this wrong, but the it's essence okay. will it's, be there. It's
1: one of those stories, stories shift and change,
0: yeah. you know, but you'll,
1: you'll get to the main point.
0: The essence will be there for sure. So there um, this is an old Cherokee story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a grandfather and a grandson and the grandfather is explaining to the grand, to the grandson, how two wolves live inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. One is the courage wolf. And that's love, generosity, playfulness, uh, you know, courage, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's another wolf that's fear, shame, guilt. Um, And so the grandfather says that they're at battle all the time. Yeah. And the grandson says, well, which one wins? Mm -hmm. And the grandfather says, it's the wolf that you feed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's the story. Now it's I mean how how perfect right yeah very so it's very very easy easy to um and I certainly fell into this trap because I was a a what I thought was just a moody punk rocker mm-hmm. uh, was like oh this is terrible this is terrible this is terrible talking about like all these things that were just let's just say going around in, in pop culture okay right and I thought I was somehow being righteous or like right. fighting off evil, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, there's these terrible, um, reality TV shows, right. right. Oh, right. they're so awful. Oh, they're so awful. Right. When really I was just feeding that, that fear wolf, right. I was seeing how awful these things were and I could, I can, could, it it's not just media, right. I could bring this into a lot of things, sure. right. I, you know, uh, my, my first step, right. So like when I was trying to hit my rock bottom, my first step was, Like you in bed, I was in bed the majority of the day. And I said, okay, I'm going to build myself back up. Um, I'm going to start concentrating for half an hour. So I said, what can I do for half an hour? I said, I'm going to watch TV. And I made uh, a terrible decision. I said, I'm going to start watching the news because I was like, well, (laughs) smart people, yes, smart people watch the news, informed people watch the news. You know, it'll get me, it'll get me there. And I don't need to know about all the murders going on. I quickly, I quickly learned. It was just all, you know, it's news, but it was all terrible news, right? There was very rarely anything great going on. Uh, I was feeding the fear wolf. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> Cut to today's times where it's, I say we suffer from infobesity. There's so much out there, right? And I don't know if the ratio has changed what, with positive stuff and negative stuff and in between stuff. And there is a place for, you know, escapism and, and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've got, it's the biggest, one of the biggest challenges of our times is kind of putting those blinders on and letting all of that, uh, uh, I I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but that garbage just kind of stay out of our system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love your podcast and I, and I love certain books because it's going to get me to focus my energy on the right things. My energy is precious, right? My mental power is, is precious. Absolutely. So, um, It's really important to to just that's my first step as far as mindset goes is getting getting zone getting um like flipping a switch like I said before or or, you know a lot like physiology and I'm uh, my my mind anyway doesn't tend to work like a switch it works more like dials if that makes sense of course even if it's cutting things out you know by X percentage. Mm. that's the way I tend to think also it's more like dials because it's hard. I'm not an all or nothing person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so even if we can just turn that dial down on some of like, I don't want to bash any particular reality shows. There's plenty of not very great ones out there, right. There aren't going to be serving you very well, but if you cut right. those out by, you know, if a hundred, let's say you're a hundred percent of your, uh, media intake, you have, you know, Fifty percent is that kind of stuff. If you cut it down to twenty-five, let's say, mm-hmm. and you and you buy a couple of really interesting positive books online, you shift to that. Right, right there, that's a win, right? And it doesn't have right. to be an all or nothing, right? That's one little right. brick. That's one small victory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I'm sorry, I talk so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is a show
0: called Self Talk. By the okay. way,
1: <laughs> it talk is in the title. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, and. I have one last question for you that I, when I saw this in your book, I, I thought, you know, and thank you for talking about the, you know, the, the mindset aspect, because it's so important. We have a choice, right? How we mm-hmm. want to perceive what's going on in our world and whether we want to stay on the couch all day or whether we want to get up.
0: And, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, and this is the, the craziest thing the, the biggest shock for me was it felt like the world changed. Yeah. It didn't feel like just I had changed. Yeah. I was doing work internally, but it yep. felt like the world was changing. But do you
1: see that they are connected? Yes. But that's physics. You know, we right. see, we see the way we see the world is what the world is. You know, that's, that's the, you know, it's a particle. It's a wave. It's a particle. It's a wave. It depends on how you're, you know, what are you testing for then? Yeah. So, so yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that is actually a very shamanic perspective as well, is that we, well, the way the the shamans put it, we dream the world into being, Mm. you know, and so what we are, uh, and this gets conflated with, with the manifestation and intention thing, which I have a whole issue with, but that's for another podcast. Mm -hmm. The idea is that the way we see the world is the world that we receive. Mm -hmm. That's science, right? So, um, and maybe this is a good seg- segue. You talk in the book about the difference between mindfulness and meditation, because I think a lot of people, speaking of conflation, mix the two up. Well, I'm, I'm mindful because I'm... What in your mind is the, is the difference between mindfulness and meditation?
0: Mindfulness is more like a, a, like a concentration practice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely valuable. And it's a good stepping stone to meditation. Um, meditation for me, I uh, wasn't easy. I don't think it is for anyone when you're starting and I know plenty of people. So I'm, I'm finishing up a yoga teacher training course. So I'm finishing that in a couple, couple months. Um and people always say to me, oh, I, I, I hate Shavasana, which is the very last pose, right? Where you're laying on the ground and you're. It's
1: my favorite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm hard though. It's hard.
0: It is hard. And it's the hardest part. Yeah. And I know people, and I'm not kidding. I know people who get up and leave during that <gasps> because they say, yeah, I know, right? What about? Uh, <laughs> they're like, my mind can't, my, my I can't do it. It's too hard. I can't do it. Well, okay. number one, anybody can do it. Yeah. And nobody can do it at first. Right. So, and also the people who are great at it are still challenged by it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the meditation aspect, I, I, I that's actually been the, the, where I've gotten the most pushback, believe it or not. People, people saying pushback. like, you know, I'm just not able to, and, and people will literally talk to me or email me and say, this is, you know, don't bring this into it because, because some people just can't do it. I mm. don't agree. So, but wow. if that's the case, let's say you feel that way. Great let's start with a mindfulness practice. Um, Mindfulness practice can be something as simple as, um, well, you know, the pranayama breath, but like, let's say box breathing. Okay. Okay. Very powerful um, breath practice where, and I'll explain it quickly for anyone who doesn't know what that is. So it's all through your nose. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when you breathe through your nose Um, it activates, well, it it rushes, the air rushes over this cluster of nerves in the back of your nasal cavity and activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So we want to do it all through our nose if we can. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do is, I like to do it with my eyes closed, breathe in for a count of four, Mm -hmm. hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four. And sometimes it would help to visualize the, the numbers, okay? But you're also... See, this is like a like a, a multifaceted thing. It's not just getting your mind shut down. You're concentrating on your belly. Yep. I like to I like to actually think about my belly breathing. You know, it's so not that that shallow chest breathing, right. but that mm-hmm. nice deep diaphragmatic breathing, right? Mm-hmm. And that for me is like kind of like the on ramp. I love getting people into that box breathing first. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful.
1: Yeah, I I practice kundalini yoga and there's a Ah. there's a lot of oh I love it. It's just completely changed my life, you know, and and um, but one thing you were talking about that resistance, one thing that I learned, um, especially when I'm I'm going through certain Kriyas and and I feel a lot of resistance in my body. And one of the things and maybe this would help for you for you, too, or maybe it makes sense to you. One of the things I learned through Kundalini is that is uh, basically like energetic toxin just working mm-hmm. its way out. Mm-hmm. So it's not to stop there and say, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. It's to say, keep keep trusting the Kriya, keep trusting the Asana, keep trusting the the, the breath, whatever it is, and just do it mm-hmm. and let that stuff move through you and out. Absolutely. So, if, so, so that way, you know, so, so in Kundalini, we might do the same Kriya for 40 days in a row. And so that you might hit resistance, likely you hit resistance. Sure. And at some point when you go through it, by the end of that 40 days, it's just, you know, you're just finally, finally hitting a point where you're like dropping in and really getting the benefits of, of whatever that Kriya is. And, um, so I loved that approach to, even when we feel resistance, like my back hurts, I can't, I can't hold my breath that long, whatever. That's just part of the the stuff that's working Mm. its way out. And it's perfectly natural.
0: Love it. And I I will say this too, when people's minds wander and they have to pull it back. Yeah. That's the practice. Mm -hmm. The pulling it back. As long as you're doing that, you're, you're winning that's what you, that's what we're, we're, um, I hate to say making progress when it comes to things like meditation, right? But that is making progress, just the act of pulling it back, the act of pulling it back to the breath. That's it.
1: Yeah. And, and then, you know, it's, it's yeah. funny because that reminds me of a story that Kama Chodron told, you know, and she's, you know, pretty famous meditator, you know, a, a Buddhist nun and, and author of several books. And, She told a story about how she even now would be in a meditation uh, and half an hour went by and she realized, wow, I haven't been doing that well at all. I've had a bunch of thoughts the whole time and (laughs) Uh she's been doing this for decades. So when we take the pressure off and say it's perfectly natural, no one is going to sit down and have a pure mind immediately. It's that pulling back to the breath that's so important and that's what the practice is.
0: Yeah. So you can
1: just relax and just keep, keep corralling the sheep, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So how can listeners
0: find you? The best way to get me is just email me. It's just Zach S Rutledge at gmail.com. And I'm happy to chat with anybody or if they want, like I said, a sample of the book, I'm happy to give that to them.
1: That's the best way to reach me. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I will put that in the show notes. And I will also put the link to your, your book which is the official depression relief playbook, real life strategies from a guy who has lived it. Zach, thank you so much for being on Self Talk.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Uh,